All right, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the Good News Cast. As always, thanks for listening today. We're going to um, uh, respond to um, an article by Dr. John Piper. The article came out like maybe a year ago, maybe a year or two ago. Should we? It's called "Should We Make a Beeline to the Cross." He put out this article a while back, critiquing some ideas and notions about preaching Christ and what it means to preach Christ. Um, in particular, critiquing this idea of preaching that makes a quote beeline to the cross. Now, a member at our church sent us this. Um, so this article, obviously by someone as known as uh, an influential as Dr. John Piper, uh, you know, goes out to the masses. Um, and uh, and so someone at our church sent us the article really asking, hey, what, what did some of the pastors at our church uh, think about the article? The article is, quote, offering an alternative to those who think preaching Christ means giving a nod to the subject matter of the text and then moving to the real concern by ending every sermon with a rehearsal of what Christ did on the cross. Dr. Pepper goes on to say, I don't think that is what preaching Christ means uh, in the weekend, week out work of the preacher. In other words, there's this idea of making a beeline to the cross, that sermons make a beeline to the cross. And Dr. Piper kind of summarizes that as no matter what verse, passage you're in in the Bible, you kind of just give a nod to whatever the story text is, uh, what have you. And really, you're just kind of making this quick skip, hop, and a jump to talk about the cross again. And so he says, I don't think that's what preaching is about. Now, I could not agree more that preaching Christ does does uh, not mean, quote, giving a nod to the subject matter of the text, end quote. Anytime we say, uh, you know, just giving a nod to the text, just it just doesn't even sound like preaching the Bible, okay? Um, it sounds like it's just taking God's word lightly at best. Every word of God's word is God's word. So we must study every word in every passage, understand its meaning, and then proclaim it. Um, I mean, I just I just think no matter what verse, whatever we're talking about, if we're talking about giving a nod to the Bible, I go, yeah, that doesn't sound good. Um, however, Dr. Par- Dr. Piper uh, argues for a central focus in preaching that I do not think is the central focus of the Bible. In summary, Dr. Piper is concerned about those who come to passages about the, quote, obedient life in Christ, end quote, and breeze right through them to go back to a rehearsal of what Christ did on the cross. He wants to avoid glossing over, uh, quote, biblical imperatives on how to live the Christian life, end quote. He calls preachers to avoid making general comments about the details of God's commands to only then make a beeline to the cross. So he calls in the article, he calls preachers to explore in depth, quote, Christ permeated obedience, end quote. The point here is, is Dr. Piper is, if to get more specific, is saying we can't just give a nod to the biblical imperatives, Christ permeated obedience, um, the commands of scriptures, what commands to, to obedience. We can't just give a nod to those things to just run back to the cross. That's kind of the general idea. He wants preachers to, quote, spend most of your time preaching the glorious achievements of the cross, which fill the pages of scripture. Now, what are the achievements he's talking about? In the article, the achievements are centrally the sanctifying work of God in you to make you more like Christ. So in context, he's saying, spend most of your time preaching. And, and again, I know that most of our most of you aren't preachers. So this means spend you should spend most of your time listening to preaching about the obedient life in Christ. 
or the, quote, Christ-permeated obedience, and the, quote, biblical imperatives of how to live the Christian life, end quote. So he says, quote, proclaiming Christ means making gloriously clear and beautiful all the implications of the blood-bought reality of Christ in you now, end quote. He goes on, the cross is in the Bible to send us on a beeline to dig deep into those texts and discover the wonders of blood-bought, obedient life in Christ, end quote. Thus, preaching ought to make a beeline from the cross, he says explicitly, to the beauties of Christ permeating, Christ exalting, self-control and sober-mindedness and love and hospitality without grumbling, end quote. He says, quote, this is the glory of the cross, end quote. Now, the article gives four reasons for this line of thinking, and it's the fourth one that really drives and shapes the article, I think. Um, preaching that beelines to the cross, quote, tends to weaken the seriousness of biblical imperatives on how to live the Christian life by inserting the substitutionary atonement at critical moments, uh, critical moments in the sermon, when the emphasis should be falling on the urgency of obedience, end quote. In other words, when preachers should be calling people to obedience, they don't. They just, again, they give a nod to it. They give a nod to obedience, a nod to commands, to just run back to the substitutionary atonement of Christ at the cross. So you can see the emphasis here, that you can see the emphasis that, that Dr. Barber's arguing preaching should centrally emphasize uh, obedience, our obedience to God's commands. Now, the article is a bit confusing, however, because along with this call for such a, such a constant, emphatic focus on the Christian life, There's also a focus on the ultimate goal of the cross being, quote, walking in joyful fellowship with God, end quote. If you know Dr. Piper's ministry at all, you know that he is known for his um, message that we are to enjoy God, that we can and should and are made to enjoy God. And so in the article, he writes, quote, the end is seeing God in all his beauty and enjoying personal fellowship with him and being conformed to his likeness in every way that maximizes our enjoyment and reflection of his greatness. Christ died mainly for this. All the scriptures are written to advance this experience of God, end quote. So it's clear that the goal of preaching is to dwell on God and our obedience, to dwell on God's greatness and something like our sober-mindedness, which is an example he uses in the article. So to parse this out a bit more, the emphasis in preaching is on the glories of sanctification, which is a focus on our our obedient life in Christ, and the emphasis in preaching, preaching is enjoying the greatness of God, which is a focus on God. Okay. Before I want to respond to, I think, the root inherent problem in the thinking of the article, um, which I will in a minute, before I do that, let's say this is absolutely the way we're to think about preaching. Like, I just, I have no disagreement about, about this central emphasis in preaching that Dr. Piper's talking about, um, which is ultimately primarily, the article argues it's about obedience and our obedience to Christ. Um, but then in there is also in enjoying God. So it's this emphasis on who God is and enjoying him, but then also who we're to be, uh, which by the way, all of that is in scripture. We are to enjoy God and we are to obey God. I don't have any qualms with, with those things in and of themselves. I I'm mainly talking, asking the question, is this, what is the central emphasis in preaching? So what happens when, when someone argues that, that preaching or the sermons you should listen to ought to focus on sanctification or God, 
God's work in you or who God is and what God has done outside of you. Uh, this is what happens. What happens is preaching still most must focus on the cross. So I'm going to say, I'll just give the article. I agree with the, with the article and what it's arguing for the emphasis in preaching. I'll say, I totally agree. What does that mean for preaching? Actually, what it means for preaching is that it still must focus on the cross. Okay, first, if preaching is ultimately about your sanctification, if listening to sermons it is ulti- the emphasis should ultimately, centrally, principally be your sanctification and obedience to God's law, then preaching better still focus on the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God for not only justification, but sanctification. So I emphatically agree with Dr. Piper that the cross not only bought our justification, but our sanctification and our glorification. It is God who justifies us, it is God who sanctifies us, and it's God who glorifies us. And all who believe in Christ are changed. In other words, sanctified by Christ through faith in him. And it's all according to God's law. It's, an, it's an, according to the guidance of God's law. We are changed to be people who more and more hate murder and don't murder, not only externally, but in our hearts, et cetera, et cetera. However, Dr. Piper seems to think that sanctification is brought about by a central focus on sanctification. For instance, he uses a text about sober-mindedness, and the idea is that if we dwell on sober-mindedness and the beauty of sober-mindedness, we will want to be sober-minded. The Bible says, however, quote, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it goes on, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the text here, the scripture here, does not say we're transformed by emphatically, centrally, and principally pondering transformation. We don't become sober-minded by spending most of our time contemplating sober-mindedness. We become sober-minded slowly and over time, as over time we dwell on what? The glory of the Lord. So, do you think preaching is all about being sanctified and listeners being sanctified, um, then you must continue following the beeline of the Bible to the glory of God on display at the cross. Even if your main goal in listening to a sermon is to become more obedient, you need that sermon actually to focus on emphatically the cross and not obedience in and of itself. Now, on the opposite side, secondly, if preaching is ultimately about enjoying the greatness of God, then preaching still must focus on the gospel. Dr. Piper is famous for his message that we are to enjoy God, and he's famous for his message that we enjoy God's glory centrally and principally in the face of Jesus on the cross. So it's odd, it's odd how his article says that our sanctification is the glory of the cross. Uh, Dr. Piper has made um, so clear in the past that God's glory shines brightest at the cross in the face of Jesus. And I agree with this. 2 Corinthians 4, 5-6, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as, as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, Do you think preaching is all about listeners enjoying God? Do you listen to sermons primarily to move you to enjoy God more? 
then continue following the beeline of the Bible to the glory of God on display at the cross. In other words, my point here is, if you go, I listen to sermons to become more obedient, then you need to listen to sermons that focus on the gospel. And if you go, I listen to sermons to know God more and enjoy God more, then you need to listen to sermons that focus on the gospel. Um, if you preach sermons to primarily get your people to be obedient, you need to preach sermons that, that, that follow the line of the Bible to the cross again and again and again. Because the gospel is the power of God for our sanctification too. It's odd to read statements in the article that say things like this. Proclaiming Christ means making gloriously clear and beautiful all the implications of the blood-bought reality of Christ in you now. Here's why I think this is weird. Not that there are blood-bought realities of Christ in us now. That's biblical. But isn't proclaiming Christ principally and centrally proclaiming who Jesus is and what he has done for us? Principally at the cross? Uh, the article says things like this, and again, it's odd. The cross is in the Bible to send us on a beeline to dig deep into those texts and discover the wonders of blood-bought, obedient life in Christ. However, I respond and I go, but isn't the cross in the Bible because it's the blazing center of the glory of God whom we're made to enjoy forever? It's very strange to read things like this. By all means, make sure that the congregation knows the details of the greatest event in the history of the world, end quote. I think this that statement right there, make sure that the congregation knows the details of the greatest event in the history of the world, shows doubt. It, it shows doubt in the power of the gospel to sanctify sinners. Um, as though the gospel justifies us, but then once we're justified, just remember the details. Just keep the details straight. Don't forget the details. It kind of, it, it reads like that. Maybe that wasn't the intention, but it reads like that. Like, oh, it's just information to just kind of put on the back burner and make sure you don't forget the details. Kind of like how the foundation of a house is not the glory of the house. It, it's the thing you cover up with really nice flooring. It's necessary. You need it. And it's good to remember it's there. But other than that, you just kind of put it on the back burner. However, in the Bible, Jesus is praised forever as the lamb who was slain. The book of life in Revelation will forever be known as the book of the book of life of the lamb who was slain. It's not just the lamb. It's the lamb who was slain, the lamb who was crucified. We will forever enjoy God and know him as the one who saves sinners by the climactic life, death, and resurrection of his son. We will forever gaze upon the face of God as we look at who? The lamb who was slain. Okay, what do I think is the inherent foundational problem in the article. I think the article is in stride with modern evangelicalism that wants to bring the gospel to center stage, but does so without a stark, clear, foundational distinction between the law and the gospel. On the one hand, we do not want only law preaching. We don't want just like the Ten Commandments, and that's all. So while we spend most of our time talking about our obedience, we throw in reminders of grace. Remember the details of the gospel you know, but that's not the point. The point is, is the law. And on the other hand, we don't want only gospel preaching. So once we quickly remind people of the grace of God, we go back to the law where we spend most of our time. So we're either given gospel-centered law emphasis on law or law-centered gospel emphasis on law. But either way, we're, we're left with an emphasis on the law and a constant focus on ourselves. What we need, what you need, are preachers and sermons 
with an understanding of the distinction between the law and the gospel, what the law is and what the gospel is, what they do, what they don't do. When you come to the law in the Bible, study it, preach it, listen to it. When you come to the gospel in the Bible, study it, preach it, listen to it. Further, you have to know the purpose and the power of the law and the purpose and the power of the gospel. And you must preach according to those purposes and powers. You must listen to sermons that get those purposes and powers right. And I'll go a step further. Since you are preaching from a unified story, the Bible, not a bipolar story with a bipolar God, since you're listening to sermons that, are, that should be coming from this unified story, the Bible, you got to know where the emphasis falls. So to cut to the chase, um, you must place, you must listen to sermons that place the central principle constant emphasis of the sermon or of the 52 sermons a year. Um, they place that emphasis rightly. The Bible's line makes its way again and again to the person and work of Jesus Christ for us, who is and which is our only hope. This means even when we preach about God's sanctifying work in us and our obedience, preaching and sermons shouldn't leave listeners with a predominant focus on themselves or ourselves week after week after week after week. Even when we preach about God's sanctifying work in us in obedience and we preach the law, listeners should be left with a predominant focus on Jesus week in and week out. And again, if you just take 52 sermons a year or even just six months, the predominant focus should be the predominant focus of the Bible. And what is the predominant focus of the Bible? It's who God is and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ at the cross. This is why Paul says things like, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. So let's end here. Let's listen to what R.C. Sproul says. Fantastic quote that I've been coming back to a bunch, and then we'll finish and let the Bible have the last word. Sproul says this, God has chosen to save the world through the foolishness of preaching the gospel. The power is in the gospel, and the gospel has a certain required specific content. It has to do with the person and work of Christ who came as our Redeemer. He bore our sins on the cross, was raised for our justification, and promises that all who put their trust in him will participate completely in the inheritance that the Father gives to him, which is by faith. That is what we should be preaching. That is where the power is. The preaching of the gospel has been at the forefront of every revival in church history that has had an impact on the world. End quote. What is R.C. Sproul saying? Preach the gospel. And since most of you will never preach a sermon, what's he saying? Listen to sermons that preach the gospel. That's where the power's at. We could put it like this in the context of what we're talking about here. The predominant, central, emphatic, um, emphasis, I think emphatic emphatic emphasis is like redundant. The emphasis of the sermons you listen to should be the gospel because that's the central emphasis of the Bible. Let's let 1 Corinthians 15 have the last word. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then skipping ahead, Paul says, so we preach and so you believe.